0: Happy Easter, everybody. It's Liz, and here's the podcast lineup for Popping Callers in April 2021. We're opening our hearts and our minds to pop culture that we might have initially rejected on Popping Callers. Find out what shows or movies we're giving a second chance. Speaking of comebacks, Greg has a special interview with the creators of a documentary called Bobby Joe Under the Influence hear how they discovered this uplifting story and were able to bring it to the big screen on our latest pop life profile. Our resurrection theme continues on this month's Going on 30, where we explore life, death, and what lies beyond with the movie Ghost. Don't miss part two of our April Fool's shenanigans. Finally, we wrap up the month with the Sacred Six featuring Eric Matoye. We look back at the classic chapter of The Wire, Middle Ground. It's arguably the best episode ever of the best television show ever. Thanks for listening and keep those callers popped.
1: everyone. I'm Ricardo. And I'm Liz. You may have gotten the clue from our names that we are not Greg and Betsy. In fact, this is a sort of unelaborate April Fools joke on you. We have swapped our little side satellite projects this month, and Liz and I are taking a crack at this going on 30. By now, you will have heard and loved Greg and Betsy in their book club episode. So, what what do you think, Liz?
0: Well, I feel like um, I think that people should know that we're not as prepared as Greg and Betsy. (laughs) This is true for every episode of Popping Collars and every side project. There's a division among our team. There really is. You and I, we like to wing it. That's a nice way to put it. I would say that's
1: just sort of the reality of it. Yeah, Yeah. Betsy and Greg are the pros and we are good students. Those two, A plus students. And we cram or turn things in at the last minute.
0: So it's a real switcheroo, April Fools.
1: Yeah, I think the fool is the fools are us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so this is going on thirty, a popping collars side project where we work on our pottery skills with <laughs> movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture thirty years ago. This month, we are looking at the movie Ghost. Ghost. <laughs> What's the matter?
0: Seems like, uh, whenever anything good in my life happens, I'm just afraid I'm going to lose it. I really love you. What do you want? Get out What's happening? It's like I think about you every minute. It's like I can still feel you. The
1: problem with you is you still think you're real. It's all up here now. You want to move something? You got
0: to move it with your mind. (laughs) Molly, why can't you hear me? Who is that? You can hear me. Can you hear me, Sam Wheat? Say my name. Say it. Leave me alone. I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. She said Sam knew who killed him. Are you out of your mind? I mean, what are you going to
1: tell the police?
0: She knew things, private things. I know about the green underwear that you wrote your name on.
1: This psychic woman's got a record that goes back a long way.
0: Don't you see? I'm not a fake. don't open the damn door he's a murderer why are you doing this to me do you hear me why are you doing this to me sam's dead tell our lover he says he loves you sam would never say that you gotta take
1: all your anger all your love all your hate and then let it explode molly molly you in danger girl Ghost. Let me tell you a little bit about that movie in case you don't remember it, but I'm sure most of you have seen it. Sam Wheat, as in barley and wheat, is a banker. Molly Jensen is an artist and the two are madly in love. However, when Sam is murdered by his friend and corrupt business partner Carl Bruner over a shady business deal, he is left to roam the earth as a powerless spirit. When he learns of Carl's betrayal, Sam has to seek the help of psychic Odomay Brown to set things right and protect Molly from Carl and his goons. What's your history with the movie?
0: I must have watched it, I don't know, in like middle school. I would have been too young when it came out, but I haven't watched it since. And then the only other experience I have with it is just the super um, ingrained in pop culture image of the, the pottery wheel, of the two of them sort of caressing around the pottery wheel. That's all that strikes me about that. My memory of the movie. What about you? Well,
1: I got to say, I did not see it when it first came out, but I heard all the hype. And uh, so I probably didn't see it until uh, 2004 or something. I kind of liked it. I got to say, and um, just watching rewatching it uh, today, as a matter of fact, (laughs) I got to say it really is sexy. Mm -hmm. Points in that movie when, I was sort of mesmerized. I, 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 I was surprised, It, but weirdly it didn't feel gross for the most part, you
0: know? No, I didn't think it was exploitative. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit too, because I think that some of the sexiness has aged differently over the last 30 years. Um, and maybe we can get into that later. Like what may have been like really, scandalous in 1990 felt sort of sweet and charming in 2021, if right. that makes sense. No, it does. It does. But yeah, it was. And Patrick Swayze, I mean, he's hot.
1: It's hilarious. The first scene of the movie, he is shirtless and so is his friend slash enemy, Carl Bruner, played by Tony Goldwyn, who mm-hmm. is like the sexy president from Scandal. Yeah. In two in the 2010s, 2012s. Um, and there he was and they're both shirtless and they're using a sledgehammer with De- is it Demi or Demi? I think she goes by Demi. Okay, Demi. So they're, they're knocking a wall down. Patrick and uh, Tony are already shirtless and flexing. It's ridiculous. And yeah. it kind of gets sexier from there.
0: So I've, I've found it to actually to be pretty charming and I was ready to be a little bit like, Oh, this is cheesy. And it was cheesy. The cheesiness was especially in Patrick Swayze's face, His <laughs> face acting was not great. Um, when he, so like as a ghost, when he had to like go through a wall, you know, or whatever. Um, and also like when he realized that he was dead, like the, his face was not great, but, um, That's just an aside. That was a little bit cheesy. And also I felt like Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore did not have great chemistry. Nope. As actors, I found their love um, a little bit unconvincing and would have appreciated a little bit more development of their characters. Who are they? How did they meet? They, I guess they just moved in together, but like how committed are they? What's going on? We didn't learn a whole lot about that. And their chemistry wasn't super convincing. One of the things that I think is interesting and might be worth exploring is in Whoopi Goldberg's terrific um, portrayal of Otome Brown. I mean, she was really wonderful. Did you ever end up watching Sister Act, Ricardo? Not yet, but I saw she interacted with a nun or two. Yes, that's right. She did. But and it's, it's really sort of that era of Whoopi Goldberg, which is a great bridge between this really sincere, dramatic acting and um, really smart comedy. I thought that she projected a character that was really well-rounded and had a lot of depth. But one of the things that a a friend of mine brought this up to me, that um, he said that when Ghost came out, one of the really sexy kind of scandalizing aspects of the film was when Patrick Swayze jumped into Whoopi Goldberg's body. And then they um, sort of caressed and kissed a little bit. Like it wasn't even that much but that the imagination that the viewer they didn't even show would be goldberg and do more kissing but it was in people's imagination and that that was really scandalous and so my friend wondered like if you watched it today now with so many films portraying um you know love and affection and sexuality between all different genders would it still feel as hot And I would say it didn't feel hot to me. It felt really um, sweet, Mm -hmm. you know? So I wasn't distracted by the body switching aspect, but it would be interesting to hear like when viewers watched it in 1990, were they like, whoa, you
1: zeroed in on something I was totally
0: going to talk about
1: Patrick Swayze's face when he realizes he's dead. (laughs) was just so bad. It just took me out of the movie or any sense of like, I don't know, pathos for what was going mm. on and um, poor guy. And I have to say most of the movie, it looked like he either had makeup on and it was obvious or plastic was, surgery or that he'd had a facelift. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So it, that was very obvious. And maybe that was why it was so hard for him to express horror on it. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> I thought it looked like he had had a facelift too. And I thought this seems pretty early in Patrick Swayze's career to be doing that kind of work, but maybe not.
1: Yeah. 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 I also agree with you about Whoopi Goldberg. She, she was really kind of the the breath of fresh air in the movie, but I would also argue, I think the plot, I was really engaged by the
0: plot. It was, yeah. it was a kind of a basic plot, but it was clever. I like nineties movies, late eighties, early nineties movies are often my go-to comfort movies, usually because the plots are so tight. And so satisfying, like I think of The Firm, like I could watch The Firm. You all know listeners That's of Poppin' Callers that I love the Pelican Brief, but um, I love that sort of tight 90s thriller plot. And I thought that Ghost did a good job of that. For example, I was not surprised when the guy jumped out with the gun to mug him. Mm-hmm. It was not hard to remember the little black book that he kept in his wallet that had the computer codes. Right. So you felt like you were in on um, like a aha moment or like unlocking the mystery, but they set it up for you. And I found that really satisfying, actually.
1: Good. yes, yeah, Satisfying is a good word for that. And then the ending, the way it sort of the, the way the plot winds up was also very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, to address your point about uh, Patrick Swayze inhabiting Whoopi Goldberg's body so that he can kind of caress Demi Moore, that yeah, that was a little complicated. But I mm-hmm. I gotta say they handled it pretty well, I think, because initially you see you know her black hands with like pink fingernail polish touching Demi Moore's hands, and all you see are the hands. And then when it pans out, it's actually Patrick Swayze you know, that you're seeing on the screen with her. And I was able to suspend disbelief. I mean, in the back of my mind, I was like, this is kind of a lesbian scene. And it
0: totally was. Yeah.
1: But, um, but I didn't, I didn't, then I stopped thinking about it. At, yeah. You know, entirely. Just because I was really into it. I got to say. And, and then when he goes up to heaven, I was actually kind of really moved.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, was too. Well, cause you got a sense. And especially because the, um, the juxtaposition, the difference between when he's first killed and he has the opportunity to go into the light, mm-hmm. but he sees his beloved who is suffering. And so he chooses his love for her is too great to for this like massive love, the love of God right. that he chooses to be with her. And then there's enough resolution at the end that um, he's able to choose to go, you know, to end this journey and begin another one and not to get like too deep in to life stuff, but I'm sure you've had this experience too, Ricardo, as a priest that when someone is near the end of their life and the doctors are saying they could go at any time, they could go at any time, they, and are there unconscious, they will often wait until the last family member is able to come to the hospital to say goodbye or they're waiting for grandkids or kids to fly in. And there is this knowing, I think, that people seek resolution. And it's not as dramatic as this film was, but he was seeking a kind of resolution before he could step away. And I thought that that was really convincing and moving.
1: Yeah. Oddly enough, for someone who is dead, I think he had Uh, a good character arc. He actually learned in his in-between lives and, and grew and was able to express love in a way that he didn't when he was alive and to care and worry about people.
0: I mean, I know it's cheesy. Like, I, I don't know what I would, I thought of two questions. One was like, if I showed this to a young teenager or preteen today, what would they think? Would they just be like, what is this cheesy cheese ball? I thought I, that was a question. And another question I had is, what would a remake of Ghost look like in 2021? I mean, the special effects, that was the, um, the weak link in the movie was the special effects, mm-hmm. ob- obviously. But um, I think of like our current propensity for much darker, much quieter, much um, more in your face sexuality. Like it could be a very interesting film if it was remade.
1: It could be. It could be. I, I think there was an earnestness to it mm-hmm. uh, that I think we would probably um, uh, shoot holes through these days. But that's sort of what I appreciated about it. And even the special effects, I really enjoyed. It was a little bit like going back and playing a t- uh, Space Invaders or something <laughs> or Ms. Pac-Man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really kind of... Kind of sweet and it and it did the trick except for the demon ghosts that come they looked yeah. ridiculous they look like little like children's drawings of
0: right of, like cutouts with like a wall like a shadow puppet yeah
1: exactly exactly so my favorite scene in the movie i i have to confess um not to be obvious is that pottery scene at the beginning of the movie oh, my.
0: you doing? I couldn't sleep. Boy, oh, yeah. you must have passed out. What time
1: is
0: so it? do. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I hope it wasn't a masterpiece. Well, it's not now. <laughs> Can I help? Yeah. You get him away. Now just let the clay slide between your fingers.
1: I was surprised at a couple of things in that scene. First of all, it it was sexy. It was tactile, obviously. Mm -hmm. They're, They're linking hands and shaping this pottery business, vase or whatever. And they're just sort of embracing and swaying. To that wonderful song "Unchained Melody" by the Righteous Brothers, I think, mm-hmm. and it's perfect. It's a perfect scene. I think it, that scene has staying power. And uh, this is what I remembered you were talking about. Both of the main characters were unconvincing to me, except that I think the narrative and the plot made you root for them towards the end because you wanted to think things to be okay. But you have no background for thinking why they should be in love. And come on, she's got that, that was a gorgeous apartment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe things were cheap in the 90s, but I don't think so in Manhattan and Soho.
0: I mean, he was an investment banker in yeah. the 90s. So like maybe, maybe. And it was a fixer upper.
1: Oh, OK, sure. But yeah, no, that was
0: completely ridiculous.
1: It was annoying, frankly.
0: <laughs> That's a little
1: mean Rico coming out. But it's like you're both pretty and you have this great apartment that you're fixing up. And everything's great. And we're supposed to believe that you love each other, but there's no basis for that in the movie. And then that sexy scene happens. And that was just straight up sexy in a, in a romantic erotic way. And
0: restrained. It it felt to me, when it took me a while as I was watching it to realize like, they're not doing anything. Like they're just sort of barely touching and kind of dancing. And it's later that they fall onto the couch you right. know, but I thought like that, you don't see that that much in movies anymore, right. that there's this sort of building sexual tension that's not explicit. Right. It's kind of refreshing.
1: It was refreshing, Liz. So I think that power of suggestion, not so, you know, subtle, uh, but given their smiles and their giggles and the romantic music, yeah. it's sort of a perfect storm of yeah. eroticism without going over the top. And without being, I think, too cheesy. So I think it's, it's a it's a great scene. I'll yeah, just-
0: it was. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense that that scene in particular has stuck so much in pop culture. And sometimes people are making fun of it. But also sometimes people make fun of things that make them a little uncomfortable. And I think that could have been part of it. Like, oh my gosh, this is really kind of too hot to touch. And um, it's in this super commercial blockbuster movie. Let's make fun of it. Wait, do I get to say my favorite scene? Oh, yeah. Do you Yeah, please? I didn't realize. My favorite scene is very different. It's like the complete opposite side of this movie. And it was when um, Oda Mae was forging the bank slip to close the account so that this money could be taken away from the bad guy. Tell you you're here to fill out a signature card for a new account. Can I help you? Yes, I'm here to fill out a signature card for a new account.
1: And do you know your account number?
0: 926-31043. 926-31043. 31043. Rita Miller.
1: Who? What?
0: Tell her, Rita Miller. Rita Miller.
1: Didn't they have you sign a card when you opened the account?
0: Tell her, Carl Brunner opened it for you by phone and asked you to come in today. So Carl Brunner, he, he opened it for me by phone, that account, and, and now he's asked me to come in today.
1: I just signed this card on the bottom line, please.
0: May I use your pen? Thank you so much.
1: No, 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 Rita Miller.
0: (laughs) I'm so sorry. You know, I, I need another one. I signed the wrong name. to make sure it goes straight up to the third floor file because you have a transaction to make. Please make sure this goes right up to the third floor file because I have a transfusion to make. A what? Let's go. You know what I mean. Can I keep this pan? Uh, um, uh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you so much. And I thought that was just like a perfect comedic scene the way that she would kind of talk to him you know that she was playing a character she was talking out of the side of her mouth to him which would have made it even crazier if you were watching it and she was just dressed to the nines and she pulled it off right you know she managed to actually do it and then when he asks her to give the money away that the sort of push and pull with the check i just thought the whole scene was great and there was some some drama and um suspense when Demi Moore figures out that she's there and she's a con artist so what's she doing in the bank I thought that was a great scene
1: that was a great scene that actually uh on the other side of the spectrum of what this movie's trying to do that was probably my favorite scene too I I have to say Whoopi Goldberg and for me uh Tony Goldwyn who plays the bad guy they're acting really kind of uh highlights the to me anyway, not great acting of uh Demi and Patrick.
0: I think that they were okay actors, but but they had no business playing lovers. Right. Because outside of that famous scene that you described, um, there's just no chemistry. Now she's a great crier. She is, and she's so beautiful that watching her cry is there's something really <laughs> really great about that. She – so I I think that they were both – well, Patrick Swayze was probably not a great actor. But physically he was, like with the running and jumping and leaping. And he – I think he had a background in –
1: Dance or something, maybe.
0: Yeah. So, like, when he does that thing where he swings out to bring the angel that they're lifting, he does that thing where he kind of swings out to get it. Um, So physically I thought he was a a good actor. But – yeah, they, but they were not great. And then those other characters were much more, they really did kind of steal the show.
1: So stats about the movie. Ghost was released on July 13th, 1990. The domestic gross was $217 million. It was the number two grossing movie of 1990. Liz, i bet you know what the number one grossing movie of
0: 1990 was. In fact, it was um, the Macaulay Culkin vehicle, uh, <laughs> Home Alone. Home Alone, indeed. Another
1: fun fact, and if you're interested, it is the 173rd top-grossing movie of all time as of today between wow. King
0: Kong in the year 2005 and How to Train Your Dragon. You know? I love a King Kong movie. I will see any King Kong movie. Really? Love, love, love Kong. Yes.
1: You're into this prehistoric stuff. You talked about Mm -hmm. loving Jurassic Park, too.
0: I love Jurassic Park. And just a hot tip, if you're still home watching pandemic movies, um, Kong Skull Island is like a combination Jurassic Park, King Kong. It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Hot tip. Thank you, (laughs) Liz. This movie received 74% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you agree? I don't know. Roger Ebert had this to say. The movie contains some nice ideas and occasionally for whole moments at a time succeeds in evoking the mysteries that it toys with. <laughs> so that's arousing Uh 2.5 wow. out of four stars, Roger Ebert, Janet Maslin film and literary critic of the New York times said ghost is too slow moving at times. And a few of its special effects look incongruously silly, particularly those showing what happens to ghosts, not as virtuous as Sam, the little demons. Yeah. Uh, she gave it two out of five stars. <laughs> oh, well. So how did it do with the Oscars? Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, it won two Oscars. It won Best Supporting Actress for Whoopi Goldberg, who's great.
0: Yay, she was great.
1: And it won, here you go, Best Original Screenplay. Uh, I wonder what it was up against. <laughs> but hey, it was good.
0: It was huh? a, bit of, a bit of a surprise. Uh,
1: it was also nominated for Best Film Editing and Best Score by Maurice Jarre. But it did not win those two. It was nominated.
0: I didn't even notice the score now that you say that. I usually do. I didn't even notice it.
1: Another thing I hated about that
0: apartment was that they
1: had a jukebox. I mean, come on.
0: With old records. Yeah, that that was was a little silly. Yeah. So what happened to you? What? You're new, huh? I can tell. Are you talking to me? Hey, relax. It ain't like before, you know. It's a whole new ball of wax. Who are you? Oh, I'm waiting for my wife. She's in uh, 4C, cardiac wing. She's fighting it. Shot, huh? That'll do it every time. Hey, you may as well get used to it. You could be here for a long while. He ain't gonna make it. I've seen it a million times. He's a goner. See, here they come. It could have been the other one. <laughs> you never know.
1: Um, religion in this movie, in Ghosts, mm-hmm. I was inter- I, it was interesting to me that they can talk basically about a heaven and a hell without really talking much about religion or faith. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> a pretty good trick and you know you you, when when the good people die you see the pretty white stars coming down from the sky to take them to heaven and when the bad guys die you see those awful cut out magic lantern looking uh black ghosts that come up out of the ground and yank you down screaming so they did all of that and you know again i fell for all a lot of things in the movie that i'm a little embarrassed to admit but one of them was yeah, there is a. Me- I am sure some people took away a message. You know, you got to be good in your life,
0: right? And it it was so final, and in that way, it was kind of tragic. You know, I think that in our tradition, we believe in this like ultimate redemption that that nobody is is truly lost to God. Nobody is separated from God's love, and it it made me sad, especially at the end, to think that that he was a complicated person. Mm-hmm. who behaved very badly and that his ultimate end was going to hell with weird cutout <laughs> demons was um, disturbing. And I was also surprised that in there, in that movie's um, theology, there were a lot of ghosts roaming the earth. Right. Like he ran into ghosts pretty, you know, pretty frequently. And um, when Oda May was finally able to actually give real readings her place was packed with ghosts right and I just thought this is interesting and they never quite explain that she says that they um still have business left to do on earth but there's a sense that even when she says it that is suspect that nobody really knows if that's the reason why so that was a little confusing to me like did everybody make a choice like Patrick Swayze did to not go
1: yeah. I mean, I think, and, and if you, if you're going to be sent to hell, do you get to not go because you have unfinished things? Right. Like the subway guy was interesting because I think he had a lot of rage and anger. And I mm-hmm. think ultimately what was coming for him, I, I sensed that when he broke the cigarette case and the cigarettes mm-hmm. popped up and said, Oh, what I wouldn't give for a drag on a cigarette. For some reason, Patrick Swayze looks at him and I thought, Oh, I bet he's going to go to hell.
0: Yeah. And he was filled with sympathy. That was one time when Patrick Swayze's face did a good job of acting, is he was filled with sympathy in that moment. You could really, you could really sense it.
1: Yeah. Liz, I think you you touched on something fundamental in the movie. There are times when Patrick Swayze's body does a great job. And there are times <laughs> when his face, very few and far between, does a great job, but never yeah. at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's true.
1: <laughs> That's very okay. true. Remember when the subway guy is teaching Patrick Swayze how to move objects and he's and Patrick, he can't do it. He can't move the little Pepsi bottle cap. And he says, you've got to put all of your emotions into it. You've got to feel your anger, your love, your hate, your hope all in your gut and then bust it out. What are you doing? What the hell are you doing? You're trying to move it with your finger.
0: You can't push it with your finger.
1: You're dead. The problem with you is you still think you're real. You think you're wearing those clothes? You think you're crouched on that floor? You gotta take all your emotions, all your anger, all your love, all your hate, and push it way down here into the pit of your stomach, and then let it explode
0: like a reactor. Okay, okay.
1: I thought he's trying to give the poor guy acting classes because <laughs> the subway guy was a good actor that was a he was good
0: he was really
1: but good actually sweet he was not do, not doing it mm-hmm. um and so it, it was really it was like wow this is an acting class and and patrick was not getting it until he did of course uh so i just i thought it was interesting that that, that you could have this sort of moral universe without talking about Anything, really, God, Jesus, except for, well, like you said, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg's two friends, they were like, praise Jesus, thank you, Jesus. They're Christian. It, but, it was, but it was also fake. They knew it was fake. You know, it was- right.
0: I'm sure that there are Christian, because it seemed a little bit like voodoo, right? Which you can be, I think that there are Christians who also practice voodoo, but that all seemed a little confusing. I would think that a lot of Christians, is because they were like saying praise Jesus all the time. I would think that a lot of Christians, even in those more Pentecostal traditions, would would be really resistant to trying to communicate with the dead. You know, like using a Ouija board. Right. You're told you're not supposed to do that in youth group or whatever. Right. Yeah. When yeah. he was, um, his funeral there was was officiated by a pastor or priest, mm-hmm. but I don't think he was reading scripture. No. I tried to catch it and it sounded more like literature.
1: Right. I mean, it it's it sort of sounded vaguely scriptural but not quite. Yeah. To me, I think there is a way in which this movie, you know, it it tries to do a lot of different things, you know, it's a comedy, it's a romance, it's a it's mm-hmm. a an, an action adventure mystery thriller movie and and then it's got this whole message this sort of moral message this ethical message about how you live your life and I would say given all that it's trying to do despite some of the missteps I think that's something that is a real that's in its favor you know like if I were to rate it I would give it four stars easily out of five Mm -hmm. maybe that was a little generous but you know I, I felt it what about you what would you give it out of five
0: I'm hopelessly sincere so I would say like it's not Stanley Kubrick you know right but yeah i would say like in the three to maybe a three i give it a three all right yeah
1: so liz there is there is something liz we've forgotten to discuss that they mm-hmm. usually do on going on 30 two two little topics one is uh why do you think this movie got nominated for the awards that it did
0: mm-hmm. uh
1: and then secondly uh
0: who is the target audience for this movie Great questions. I I think the tar- it, w- it seemed like it was intended to be a blockbuster. And in that sense, the target audience is kind of everybody, right? So I think it was sort of ev- everybody who might go out and buy a movie ticket. So when I say, who is it for? And I say everyone, I don't mean literally everyone, but that might've been what the producers were thinking.
1: I, I, I sort of want to say that if there were any target audience, it would be kind of romance, movie, women go to the movie. But you know, I think you're right. It's sort of for everybody because I think the guys would enjoy it too, because there's, and again, we're wildly stereotyping, Yeah. but um, there's action. I think Whoopi Goldberg fans would flock to it.
0: I think mentioning that using those very super heteronormative stereotypes, it does seem like it is like a date movie. Yeah. Because it's got the romance for the women, the action for the men a little bit of comedy, a little bit of drama, a little bit of sexiness but not too much sexiness It seems like it was a date movie If you want a good date movie in 1990 hire a yeah. sitter and go see ghost hire a sitter that's right.
1: <laughs> I would I would actually name one more target audience and I don't you know I don't think they thought of this but inadvertently I and again, I'm a sucker I fell for it inadvertently, I think this might have been a movie that would have given some comfort to people who've lost a loved one. Yeah. Especially at, at the end where this like, you know, I love you. And he says something like, the love we have in our hearts, we take with us. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that was really moving. He turns around and he says it to her like it's a revelation. Like he's discovering it as he walks into the light. He says, the love we have, it goes with us. Like he's telling her in real time, like this is happening to me right now. Right. Right. We- and I, I found that really moving and I believe, and I believe that that's the thing that I believe.
1: Absolutely. I, I found that very moving and I think it would be a comfort to that sort of target group. Why did it get nominated? Well, I mean, it was a, it was a big hit and it, it had touched all those bases. I mean, I, I don't know why Oscar, frankly, no offense to going on 30 or the, well offense to the Oscars. That's ridiculous. Ever since 1981, when Reds did not win best picture, I have just been, I'm just cynical, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a numbers game, it's money, it's promotion, has very little to do, except every once in a while, accidentally, with actual merit, the best of the year, Yeah. and so, I mean, it was a feel-good movie, and it touched all the points,
0: I wondered, too, if the special effects were groundbreaking at the time, <laughs> like watching them now, they feel like, ooh, really? But I wonder if at the time they're like, can you believe it? You can yeah. have, you know, you, you can make it look like a guy's walking through a wall or something. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. So that's that's it. Well, huh, I sure look forward to going back to book club. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, this is a lot of work. Greg <laughs> yeah. and Betsy work really hard for the podcast. They sure do. This
1: has been Going On 30 within the satellite of the Popping Collars galaxy. Universe, yes. Universe. Exactly. <laughs> uh And we hope you have enjoyed it, or at least we hope you've come to appreciate Betsy and Greg more. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> that's it for this show. And uh, join us again for the next thing that comes up on your feed very soon. And in the meantime, keep Keep those those calls calls, popped. Popped. (laughs) Popped.